Come at the king, you best not miss. You're now locked in the zone, zone 32. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Zone 32 podcast. My name is Jake. His name is Drew. His name is Will. Grant forgot his charger again because he fucking sucks. And here, introducing our guest tonight, this man's name is Theo. Say what's up to the people. Hey, thanks for having me on Zone 32, man. Damn it, I can't say shut the fuck up now. That was way too nice of you. Too nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's he right. wasn't catching me that time. I had that written down. Like, he's not well catching me. Well, well done, sir. Well done. You did your homework. Anyway, let's get to it. Week 7 passed by, and in, in this, in this week, the Ravens caught a win, another divisional win, this time against the other Ohio team. So, Sunday happened, beat the Browns 23-20. to This is the first... This is one of the first times this year where the Ravens ran the ball more than they threw it. And it was, they ran it like two and a half times more than they threw it. So Drew, I'm going to start with you since you attended the game. Give me your thoughts on the victory over Cleveland. Um, Gus Edwards is him. I hate saying that because I sound like a 12-year-old fanboy when I say, you know, Gus Edwards is him. But I mean... That guy, is an, that guy is an instant difference maker. Um, just seeing him on the field and, you know, again, carried the ball 16 times, did everything that was asked of him. I uh, was able to punch the ball in twice in short yardage situations. Like, that is something that we have just been missing since he's been out. Uh, Mike Davis was supposed to be that guy. Mike Davis was not him. Gus Edwards is. Uh, so I love seeing that. Um, Patrick Queen, too. That was a career day for Patrick Queen. Uh, just all over the place. I mean, that one drive where we almost got him for safety, that was totally on Patrick Queen, um, you know, the, to the sack and then the uh, tackle for a loss. And then I think it was uh, Duvernay took the punt back like 40 yards and, you know, set us up in great field position there. Um, you know, that that's really my takeaway from the game is that we, you know, got out to a 10-point lead. We looked good. We got there. Um, you know, we held on to the lead at the end. It wasn't pretty, but, you know, we made it work. Justice Hill tried to give the ball away at the end and tried to, you know, pull the typical Ravens choke job. Um, elite coaching by John Harbaugh with uh, getting that false start instead of the, um, you know, it was clearly an encroachment on us, but I'll take it. You know, again, a win's a win. Um, and, you know, lots being made out of Lamar, not looking good again, but he did enough to win. And I'm okay with that. If we just keep winning games, I, I, I'll be happy. You know, um, I, I was a lot of people like to bring up 2019, say that we're trying to recreate, recreate 2019 too much. You know, it's um, Lamar doesn't look happy. The first seven weeks of 2018, 2019, and the first seven weeks of 2022, Lamar's stats are almost identical. And so I'm kind of sitting here looking at this of, you know, maybe Lamar does turn the corner now and goes off in the second half, and we're laughing at this at the end of the season. But it, we just got to keep stacking up wins at this point. It's we have a shitty division, you know. Get out, you know, eleven, twelve wins, and get to the playoffs and see what happens. Yeah. So, um, big thing this week: pass rush uh, showed up. So Justin Houston came back, and what do you know? We can rush. We can get to the quarterback again. I think Houston had two sacks. I think the yep. team had five. We had five sacks yep. this week, um, and that's just something that we've been missing. Now we we have to acknowledge. It's another game we led by 10 points and another game that we were very much in danger of. So another another game we didn't put a, f- a full, complete game together. The problem that uh, until we fix it, uh, we're going to sweat every single game. We do have an opportunity going to Tampa Bay on a short week with blood in the water because Tampa Bay, no matter what our struggles have been, Tampa Bay looks listless. They look like they're the worst team in the league right now. And I don't even know how that's possible. 
when they have the players that they have, but they look terrible. They didn't score a touchdown against Carolina this past week. Um, they look completely disjointed. Um, so it, it, it's an opportunity for us to put two wins together, get a big break until we play another game in um, New Orleans on Monday Night Football in two weeks, and then get another break for the bye. So it's a good time for Lamar to kind of shake it off. Um, yeah, I said he did not look good this week, but he didn't look like he has the past few weeks. I, I thought he, he was throwing the ball better. Like, for example, that ball he completed to Duvernay for 31 down the right sideline. I think it was in the first quarter. Beautiful throw. Good play design. Um, it, he, he looked good, but we just didn't let him get into a rhythm. So I wish we would have done more. We had a couple uh, of plays where we connected him with uh, Bateman on sort of like quick underneath routes. I wish we would do more of that for him um, because I think he needs that right now. He's just been, he's been off. And I still don't know why that is, but he looked better this week. Not good though. So he, he still needs to have that performance that just gets him out of whatever funk he's in. And I think if he gets one game where he, he, you know, is the Lamar that we know or from there. So um, I'm looking for this week to be a big bounce back for him. He usually is pretty good uh, in prime time. So um, let's see if he, you know, he, he takes this opportunity and runs with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah looking at this game, uh, reviewing it, uh, there, was, there were a lot of positives uh, in the game. Like Drew said, Patrick Queen uh, finishing with 11 tackles was really big on his regard. Um, Calais Campbell getting a sack. Calais Campbell actually looked disruptive early in that game um, against the Browns, which I, which I thought was huge. Um, some guys did go quiet, which I expected better games from. Matabike, um away uh but justin houston coming back as will said that pass rush amped it up a little bit mark andrews with no uh catches was was really odd to me because i don't ever remember a game with mark andrews not having a catch uh he's usually the focal point of his offense and it concerns me a little bit because taking away mark andrews the offense still kind of looked sluggish yesterday without him involved um so how do they counteract that i would like to see more rpos um and feed Devin Duvernay, Duvernay the ball. I, I just, I don't see why we get away from that uh, a little bit too often. Every time he touches the ball, something happens. It's like a spark that happens in the offense. And then we just stop giving him the ball. Well, um, and it's no coincidence that Mark Andrews got targeted, what, four times and had no catches. And we only oh. threw the ball 16 times. So Mark Andrews yeah. doesn't get the ball, so we just stop throwing. That can't be how, how it works. Can't be. I mean, to the Browns' credit, they did a good job boxing him. Um, they had that one weird play action, uh, the third and long, where they rolled Lamar to his left, and Lamar kind of like threw an uncatchable ball to Andrews. And then there was yeah. one other one that he targeted him. And again, it was just they did a good job covering him, but it's almost like, uh, like you said, they gave up on the pass really right. early because the run was going to happen. We can't yeah. abandon the pass just because Mark Andrews isn't involved. That's why we have someone like Isaiah Likely. Likely looked good. We got him the ball a couple times, and he made plays. Yeah. So I don't know why. Then pivot, because they, they have to cover Isaiah Likely the same way they have to cover Mark Andrews. He's big. Yeah. He's fast. He's athletic. So it's it's the same skill set. Obviously not as polished or uh, advanced, but it's a guy who is is a tough matchup for any defensive back. So what are they going to put a linebacker on him? I'd love to see that. And this is the same. This is the same shit we talk about with Greg Roman week in and week out. Of he doesn't adjust, and so you know you can look at abandoning the pass as an adjustment, and it worked for three quarters, and then the fourth quarter rolled around. You got Kenyon Drake with eleven carries for five yards. Uh, Justice Hill was okay. I think he had like five carries for twenty yards, but he had that could have been a backbreaking fumble on that last drive there. Uh, really, the only guy who was consistently running the ball were Lamar and. 
Gus that Edwards, was, and yeah. they're going to run out of steam at the end. So, you know, at some point, Greg Roman has to realize that if you abandon the pass for running the ball 44 times, they're going to stack the box, and that should give you passing lanes on the outside, especially, or that should, you know, allow Mark Andrews to get open. He just never seemed to call a play for that. My thought was just, where are the RPOs? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they ran any RPOs yesterday, and it was really They did. They ran one, and it worked perfectly because it was one of those where Lamar read it perfectly, and he had this huge hole. I think it was on third down, and he he got – I think he got like a 15-yard gain on an inside run off an RPO look. So I just don't know why we don't do that more. I I believe that's how – we got that iconic moment with him in, against the Bengals. Uh, in it was, that was RPO. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, those inside well, so the, that's when he gets loose, when he gets a, a seam inside. It's not him, like, breaking the, the contain outside. It's when he gets uh, just a little a little crease and he can take it up the middle of the field because everybody's spread out. Same and thing that passing run. the ball. Same thing passing the ball as well. If you remember that slant to Rashad Bateman against the mm-hmm. Dolphins, that was off of an RPO. And remember, uh, 2019, that slant to Hollywood Brown, that was off of an RPO where he took it to the house against the Dolphins. Yep. Lamar Jackson is comfortable in the RPO offense. I don't know why we get away from it so much. Um, and, and as to Kenyon Drake, uh, it, the stats show he had a bad game. Greg Roman did him no favors. No, he kept running definitely. outside zones when Cleveland was just stacking outside to where you cannot run the ball outside. I was wondering why we keep running these stretch zone plays when they are just hitting the end, and they were bringing blitzes off at the end every single time, run blitzes. And I was like, when is Greg Roman going to adjust to this? And he just does, doesn't adjust. And, and that's what confuses me about this football team. But I told you guys last week, when you guys joined me on my show, that this Thursday, after this Bucks game, is the prime time to move on from Greg Roman. It, it and just that's makes a, that's all a, the that's sense That's a sentiment world. I'm seeing, like, you know, Ravens Twitter is one of the most dysfunctional communities on, on the face of this earth. But I'm seeing people from every corner of Ravens Twitter with this. And these are people who are generally very, very uh, team positive. Like Cole, for example. Cole Jackson. I saw him say uh, it, it, it's time for a change after the Bucks game. I mean, I think even Spencer said it. I mean, these are people who don't say these sorts of things. Uh, they, they don't put them in writing. So I think we're all in agreement. Even I if, think Greg Roman's a dead even man if they have a decent game offensively, yeah. I still think it's an opportunity to make a change because they know. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I think it was Theo that brought it up on his show that, you know, you're not going to fire an offensive coordinator on a short week. No. Because, you know, they don't. So I feel like he's already gone and that he's just kind of there going through the motions this week. Unless there's some fucking crazy thing that happens that keeps the job. I just can't see them rolling out with him. I, I mean, he has see. done. Can't see that crazy thing happening because Cleveland was one of the worst ranked defenses in the NFL. This yeah. offense still looked to struggle. And now you're going into a Thursday night game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who actually have a really good defense. You're expecting Greg Roman to light it up. I just don't see it happening. I think Thursday, even with a win, if it's a lethargical win, I just don't see Greg Roman and making it past Saturday here in Baltimore. Yeah, well, and it could it could be not that Greg Roman is fired, but that the the play calling duties are shifted. Um, that that could be the change that we see, um, because we know Harbaugh is very very uh, loyal to his his guys. So if that's his way of gracefully letting Greg Roman sort of uh, play out the year, like up in his booth eating, uh, you know, fun whoppers and snacks and shit. I just yeah. I don't Winkies. know what you gain. I don't know what you gain from Greg Roman at this point. Like it's he just seems to do more harm than good. And so at that point, why keep him around? 
And if the negative body language we're seeing from Lamar, I don't know. Like people like he doesn't want to be here. I don't see it as he doesn't want to be here. I see it as he just he he's an MVP player and they just let him throw the ball 16 times in uh, normal weather against a defense that he that he could he he can do damage against. So like that was down their number one corner. Yeah, right. The offensive coordinator is holding him back and he knows it. Do you see that video Ravens thing? It's the Greg Roman thing. Did you see that video of him at some wedding that he showed up to? Yeah. Um, he was in the parking lot, and they're asking, what about that Greg Roman call on fourth down? And he shut down immediately and walked away. I think his negative body language is that he's sick and tired of the same fucking questions over and over again. Our, our fucking media and our fans have the same two questions for him. When are you going to sign an extension, and what do you think about Greg Roman? How many times are you going to ask him the same question where he's going to give you the same measured response of saying, I'm not going to talk about my contract. I'm not interested in talking about that anymore. Or he, he's never been a guy to throw his coach under the bus. Ever. No. And that's the never cap- been, yeah. even in college. Well, and the caption on that video said, claims that he said, you got to ask Greg Roman that. I didn't hear him that's say what he that said. in the video, though. No, did he, he say that? He did. Yeah, so they asked him, and he said, I don't know, you got to ask Greg. But it was kind of one of those, like, fuck off and stop asking me the same question responses. It wasn't like a, oh, He I seemed more annoyed with the people in the video yeah. than with yeah, Greg exactly. Roman. He, to me, yeah, no, but, it was. I, I and again, I don't know Lamar personally. I mean, he's not a friend of mine or anything like that. I'm right. not gonna pretend like I have some, you know, deep insight here. But just looking at his body language and the way he responds to these questions, it's it's the way that I'd respond when I get asked the same question forty times in a row at work. Of just like, fuck off. Like I've I've answered your question already. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what you want me to say. I'm not gonna give you the sound clip. Leave me the fuck alone. Hmm. And that's kind of how I've taken his, you know. His media appearances in, in camp were all about, you know, when are you going to sign an extension? And he just got sick of it. And I don't blame him. Like, it, it's got to be annoying to have the same three questions you asked over and over again. Like, you have a generational QB talent in front of you who is doing things that no other quarterback has done. And you're asking him about some fat fuck in the booth about his play calling. And you're asking him about a contract extension that he clearly hasn't signed yet. So, like, what are we doing here? Just, like, move the fuck on. Let the guy live. I think a piece of it is also... Lamar Jackson is on social media. I don't think that he sees the Ryan Minks out here posting videos, basically blaming him for for, oh. for missed stuff. Like, it's, and him having that attitude towards the media makes sense at that point because it's like, bro, you're literally out here posting these videos about me. If I can't play the quarterback position, you're but, not calling so, out bad play calling. You're not calling out that, but you're calling out and nitpicking everything I do. And I see, think he so sees that it, stuff. When it was Jonas Schaefer doing it, like, that's what that guy does. And if you actually go back and look through his timeline, he's had some pretty stupid takes on Lamar and how plays have broken down. But he's also posting 800 plays a game. And, you know, talking about it, it's when you get Ryan Mink, who is not a film guy. He's a fucking social media dork. And he's talking about every other clip is something negative about Lamar. It's like, dude. Well, and Jonas Schaefer works for the Baltimore Sun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Ryan Mink works for the Baltimore Ravens. Works for the Ravens. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, anytime- so, I mean, I... Anytime uh, he posts, it kind of is like a, a representation of what the Ravens are saying, kind of. So, so it, it makes sense that people are like, oh, this is the it Ravens. It comes off as a coordinated attack. It right. comes off as a coordinated attack against exactly. Lamar. And whether or not that's what Mink wants to do, I have no idea. I don't know the guy personally. I, I don't interact with him on the internet because I find certain things about his life to be very irritating, but um, that he lets bleed into his uh, social media. So, you know, I've had him muted for a very long time because I just got tired of seeing the same shit from him that had nothing to do with football. But, you know, when he's the one who's launching these attacks, like, you're not a a film guy. You have no background in scouting or anything like that. Like, you're a social media guy for the Ravens. Like, shut the fuck up already. Uh, I don't know. That that, that whole 
that whole group of people of you know the Raven social media. I just think they're so fucking annoying with their job, and it, it seems like a company line that they're being told to push. Absolutely, here's the funny thing with Ryan Mickey. He looks like he looks like one of those dudes who has a rich uncle who gets all of like gets all his friends cocaine. And says like, "Hey guys, let's go get the fucking blow, man!" <laughs> like that's that's what he looks like, and he he, he talks in that kind of way. And I'm like, "Fuck off!" It's a, it's yeah, a, it just it's it's enough. Like I've had enough of seeing all these clips of. From the Giants game, where he's like, Lamar threw this a little bit late, or Mark Andrews would have caught a touchdown pass. Like, the ball hit Mark Andrews in the fucking face. And you're talking about this is Lamar's fault? Like, what, what are we doing here, man? Nah, again, even like receivers will tell you if it hits you in the hands, you got to fucking catch that. It's got to catch it. It's as simple as that. I, I have a couple. I have, a, I, have, I have one more thing about the game that I do want to uh, mention. The defense, I thought uh, they, they kind of bounced back, but. Letting Cleveland push them around to start the game was so annoying. Just, I don't know how you let that happen. And then there was one possession in the fourth quarter where it was like literally every play they gained 11 yards. How are you letting them break off 11 yards every fucking time they snapped the ball? And And it was fine. I will say this. Tackling is still an issue with this football team. And you can't tell me it's changed. Nick Chubb was just running through tackles yesterday. Yeah. And you're just like, I get it's Nick Chubb, and he's really a, a really good running back, and he doesn't get enough Throwing credit as back. a top three back. But you're a te- you have him behind the line of scrimmage in numerous plays. He's still breaking off 10 yards. It was it's assumed every time he touched the ball, it was like, uh, uh, I know he's going to get six yards, bare minimum. And it was, like, it was damn near every time it felt like the guy was getting 11 yards. So it was like, we're just giving away first downs after first downs after first downs. And and the first possession made me sick. Them just marching. Play the somewhat floor. devil's advocate here, though. I mean, Nick Chubb had a, a good game, but he did not kill us. No, and he so didn't. I and think, like you know, they did bounce back, but they just I, w- I I you know if it was just that first possession and they bounce back and then they've shut him down the rest of the game. Now they they got pushed around again for that possession in the fourth quarter and then they bounce back again. So to their credit, the defense is becoming more resilient. And that's something we need from them because they've been like defeated in, in, in those losses where we've let teams come back. But again, we are now, uh, what what was the stat there have been since, so the last 20 teams, the last 20 teams to go seven and the last 20 teams to score, have double digit leads in their first seven games. The combined record of those, those teams is 135 and five and and the ravens are four and three that's i mean how we we've we've led by 10 points or more in every fucking game this year so this this tells you we have a team that is capable of dominating their their opponent every single week they've done it at one point or another they have been up by double digits and we have managed to lose three of the games and at least two more of those games we could have lost as well it's, I mean, and I it's, think we've had double-digit leads in all those games in the second half. Um, the, uh, the Bengals Bills game, game. The Bills game. Yeah, the Bills game was in the first half. Actually, the Bengals okay. too, right? No, the Bengals were up 20-10 in the third. Okay, so, think, the, so. Yeah, so the Bills the Bills came back. Or, um, 17-7, sorry, in the third. But, you know, still, like, uh, you're right. It's just, it's not, a, it, it, they're not putting together complete performances. Right, which is an We're, issue. Which the defense is, is getting you know, better. The defense, it, there, it's getting there. But it's like we, okay, it, we can't have this evolution take forever. 
We need to get to the point where no. the defense plays a a full game, and they did the, in week one. They did play a, a complete game. I'm not I'm not going to take that away from them, but it's week one is a long time ago, and it's a much different Jets team than than they have going on over there right now. So, yeah, um, you know, we need to we need to see the defense play a full game, uh, not come out sluggish and get pushed around by uh, Jacoby Brissett, and not let Nick Chubb break off 11 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. Um, or anyone for that matter. We just can't have that. The defense and needs cover to... the fucking tight ends too. Yeah, right. Well, and especially, yeah, that's that's another thing. Chuck Clark as the main guy covering tight ends. He's getting killed every week by tight ends. We're getting killed by tight ends because of Chuck Clark. He's not capable of covering these tight ends. We have the perfect solution. His name's Kyle Hamilton. Yes, he's a great. A he's movie. great in coverage. Put him on a tight end. He's what is he? Six foot four. So yeah, here's the problem if you do that, though, is that if you put Kyle Hamilton on the tight end, you're then having Chuck Clark play in the back end, and Chuck Clark is inevitably going to blow coverage against the wide receiver, and they're oh, going to take that for seven instead of a first down. So the real problem in, is that Chuck Clark is on the field. That's that's really what it boils down. Hamilton isn't isn't playing on the back end currently. I mean, he's mainly if you watching him, he's at the yeah. line of scrimmage almost every play right now. Right, exactly. Because they they do not trust him anymore on the back end, which is understandable. Again, he's a young kid. I think he'll develop into a pretty good player. But right now, they see him as a blitzer, and he's a guy who can take a tight end out of a game, in my opinion. Right, six four. He's a big guy, and he's physical. He can get physical with tight ends. But right now, when you're seeing tight end David Njoku. Probably would have had 150 yards if he didn't get hurt yesterday. He finished oh, yeah. the game seven catches, 71 yards. He abused Chuck Clark all day. Chuck Clark is not good in coverage. Again, Drew, we are in simpatico here. He should not no. be on the football field at all. No. He serves no purpose on this football team. I don't understand why we didn't grant him his trade. We could have gave it to him. We would have been just fine without him. Kyle Hamilton so, is a perfect dime linebacker. He, that's what Chuck, Chuck Clark plays, but that's what right now Kyle Hamilton's perfectly – He's perfectly made for that role because it doesn't it doesn't demand too much of him in his in his young you know he hasn't he doesn't have any experience fine but he is he has instincts he has athleticism uh you know he has a, he definitely has a nose for the ball so like keep him on the tight end and you know a lot of these teams want to throw the ball to the tight end that's how the NFL works now the tight end is you know a lot of these offenses run through the tight end let Kyle Hamilton go out there and you know what if Ty- Kyle Hamilton if he's having trouble then. We can we can figure something out to help him out there, but I don't think he will. That's one thing, really that's one area. That I just I saw the stat pop up earlier. Since week three, seventy three coverage snaps, he's given up twenty nine yards and zero touchdowns. That's a guy you want on a tight end. Period. So Chuck Clark and uh, they're so dedicated to him with this goddamn green dot. Give the fucking green dot to Josh Bynes. How about that? The guy's he a veteran. He Sunday too, though. Doesn't I don't care. Josh Bynes has has experience. He's respected by the guys on the field. He understands the defense. So if we're talking about a guy who's going to put guys in the right position, I just like move it around I, I somewhere. I don't, why, why did why doesn't Geno Stone have the dot? Right. That's, that, I don't that know. makes more like sense that. to me. Maybe yeah. maybe they're maybe they think they're asking too much since he's just kind of been you know put into the position to play this many snaps. But Geno played a great game. I think he was the highest rated defender. Uh, the highest graded defender. Not that I put too much stock in in PFF grades, but he was the highest okay. graded defender. Um, and so having him and and Kyle Hamilton on the field as much as possible, I think, is a good thing. Chuck Clark, you know, it's not a bad thing to have Chuck Clark as a reserve, as a guy who can come off the bench if somebody gets hurt. I guess the guy's got plenty of experience playing, so it's better than the alternative of of God knows what. But Chuck Clark being on the field 100% of the defensive snaps is killing us 
you know, like we see, we've had a couple tight ends eat him up. Like uh, the the Buffalo game, the pivotal play in that game was Dawson Knox getting that third down conversion in the second quarter, mm-hmm. blown coverage. I thought Mar- Marcus Peters was going to knock Chuck Clark out right on the field because he just, I mean, he, he was completely turned around. It made no sense, and they just keep doing it. I, I don't understand why Chuck Clark keeps getting this assignment. Real quick before we move on to the Buccaneers game, something that was interesting to me was that Dafe Owe was not on the field for the first five plays on defense. They were putting in nobodies at, at rusher before Dafe Owe. And that's, that was telling to me because I, I said it once when the game started. I'm like, where's Owe at? It was Justin Houston, um, Malik Harrison, and I don't know who 47 is. 47 stall snaps at outside linebacker. Um, no, that's Kennard, the new guy. We oh, that's right. Devin Kennard. He was seeing snaps at outside linebacker before Odafe Owe. And that was just well, really telling to me. It's about time you hold Owe accountable. I, I think that we've, we've basically rolled him out to be our, you know, every down off outside linebacker. And he has not done enough to earn that. And so now you're putting him in a spot where he has to earn snaps. And I like that. Hold the young guys accountable. Make them, you know, again, Patrick Queen. We've taken we, Patrick Queen off. We the did field. that with Patrick Queen last year. And yeah. when he, when, when and we've we done it this year, snaps, he was way more effective when he was on the field. Yeah. But we've done that. We've done that this year, too. Um, the Bengals game is when they really started pulling Queen back. And now he's gotten more and more snaps. And he's kind of earned that. And he's kind of been like, yeah, I'm that guy. Like, put me, put me on the field and, you know, let me earn my, or let me earn my snaps. Do the same thing with Owe. Again, like, you have Owe here for four years. And I think that he was not a fully developed pick when we took him. But, you know, let let him earn his snaps again. Let him show what he can do well. And maybe you stop putting him in spots where he's going to drop into coverage and you let him just run at the quarterback. And eventually he'll figure it out. Most definitely. I mean, we had that conversation last year when Owe was picked. I wasn't into it at the time. I mean, I think I mentioned in the chat, way, that old chat way back when, I wanted Ojulari with the Giants. He had a good year last year. This year he hasn't played, been hurt, so that that is what it is. But nonetheless, um, talking a, a Grant guy is on is not on the field. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe Rousseau or whatever the the French philosopher who died way back when for collectivist thought, Jean Jacques Rousseau or whatever. But, um, but anyway, it's you guys. I I'd say you guys hit the nails on the head with everything. Um, I was ready to get on the defense a little bit because. I mean, we haven't had a con- before the past couple weeks. Our pass rush has been very inconsistent or non-existent, to be frank. But I was playing against Brissett and then playing against Daniel Jones because they do hold on to the ball a little longer. So kudos to that. And Justin Houston having four sacks in three games. Great production for a, a dude maybe either my age or a little older. So give that I'll give that man his flowers for that. But anywho, let's jump into Thursday night. TNF, the Ravens. Traveling to, I think it's the Raymond James Stadium to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I'll start with our newest. I'll start with our guest Theo. What are you looking for as far as how our defense will be defending the Bucks' offense? Because they've been kind of struggling this year. Um, Brady looks like a forty-five-year-old who's getting divorced, and they haven't run the ball very consistently. Fournette's had his moments, but overall, they've they haven't been the same offense that they've been the past couple weeks. So. I'll let you have the floor and give me your thoughts on how we attack their offense. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we can we can talk a lot about Tom Brady, but he still has eight touchdowns, only one interception, so he's not really turning the ball over much. Um, he has thrown for almost two thousand yards. He has a sixty-seven percent completion percentage. Um, 
he's not playing horrible. They're just not putting points on the board. Um, and a lot of it is, I, I don't put it as much on Tom Brady. The offensive line is playing horrible, um, which we all thought coming into the season, right? So many injuries they had to the front. Um, we anticipated a horrible offensive line for Tampa Bay, especially with a quarterback that just cannot move. Um, so that's where Baltimore has to take advantage, right there on that offensive line. You have to attack them. Um, now, that being said, Justin Houston is coming. This was his first game back in, what, three, four games? Um yep. He played much on Thursday night. This is a short week, so a lot of it is who's actually going to suit up and play. Um, if he does suit up, I would expect he had 16 snaps on Sunday. Mind, mind you, two sacks, uh, uh, what four pressures total. Um, he had a great game off of 16 snaps. So limiting his pass rushing opportunities, I think he could still get after Tom Brady. Um, but it has to be interior as well. It's the same old saying we've been saying for, what, 10, 15 years with Tom Brady. Get pressure up the middle. So I need a bounce back game from Justin Manabike. Um, attack the middle of, the, of this offensive line. Stop the run. Um, and, and we say that, but teams have been running the ball on the Ravens recently, which is something we don't say very often. Um, as long as they stop the run, I don't know if Mike Evans is playing. I know he left the game yesterday hurt. Um, you know, just don't let Brashad Perriman have a revenge game against us. Yeah. And I think we'll be fine. <laughs> We need to see Travis Jones and and uh, and Broderick Washington doing their thing up the middle too. I mean, we we have we have such great depth at the. I think it's young depth, but it's good depth. I think uh, the interior defensive line and and Campbell slides in there too. So um, yeah, I think we need, like you said, I think we need to get pressure up the middle. They have a big problem in Tampa Bay with their their interior offensive linemen. So we need to attack that weakness. Um, and then the cornerbacks need to be locked down. And I think they can handle and I think they're up for that. So um, I'd like to see Queen, you know, stack another good performance as well. Um, but this game is going to be about the defense, in my opinion, because Tom Brady is not Brissett. He's not Daniel Jones. He's going to get the ball out quick. So we're going to be we're going to be ready to react to that. And they're going to be ready to run the ball. They have two good two. They have one good running back and one running back who has, you know, been pretty productive in the in the uh, opportunities he's gotten. Um, we're not going to have to worry about tight ends quite as much as we have in the past, uh, few weeks, but you really never know. Uh, you know, um, we, we seem to make stars out of some of these, these tight ends. Yeah. So, uh, I think the defense needs to do their job. And if the defense can do that, the offense will thrive. Um, you know, I think, like I said earlier, Lamar seems to, to enjoy playing in prime time. Um, he needs a bounce back game. He knows it. He he knows he has not played up to his own standards. And it's you know I think there's a a weird um it's almost like taboo on on Twitter for you to say anything negative about Lamar. And and I'm a huge Lamar guy. Always have been. But it's okay to say that Lamar hasn't been playing well. And it's it you don't have to like hedge it against uh you know oh but you know Mark Andrews dropped the touchdown pass or this guy did that or whatever Lamar. Lamar himself, his performance has not been up to the standards that we need from him or that he holds himself to. Anybody yeah. who's been watching the games can see that and understand it. And it, it, he's a long way off right now than he was in week one, two. So we need him to I be think, more like Lamar in September than he's been in October. I think that's the key is that this is not the standard Lamar holds himself to. Right. So forget any of the Twitter noise, forgetting that Lamar is not happy with his own performance. And Thursday night against the Bucks is a great, you know, showing out party for him. Um, I, I think that 
we could see big weeks out of Travis Jones and Patrick Queen. Um, like you know, I said that that was always the way to beat Tom Brady. Is you get pressure into his face up the middle, and I think those are your two guys that can kind of pull that off. Matabike is great. Um, I don't think he's going to be the guy that's putting up the sack totals. That just doesn't seem to be his uh, his game so far. So Travis Jones getting pressure up the middle will be huge. Patrick Queen maybe you know a few blitzes here and there, um, dropping the coverage, you know, stopping the short stuff because Tom Brady likes to get the ball out quick. You know, Patrick Queen matched up with Leonard Fournette in the flats will be interesting to see. Um, does he wrap him up or does he let Fournette break some tackles and make some big plays out of nothing? If we can limit that. And then on offense, like just let Lamar be Lamar. You know, Gus Edwards being there is going to be big. Um, again, that that running back presence is helpful. But, you know, let Lamar find – their pass rush has not been good this year. You know, Shaquille Barrett has not looked like the same player that he was a couple of years ago. Devin White is not, you know, causing the same kind of ruckus that he used to. They don't really seem to have any of their front seven really having career years like they have in the past. If you give Lamar some time, let Devin DuVernay get open, let Bateman get open, you know, let Andrews have a better game than he did on Sunday, and I think good things can happen. Maybe we see uh, Deshaun Jackson get activated and, and stretch the field a little bit. Who knows? I think, yeah. he, will, I think he will get activated uh, Thursday night. Uh, I think that just makes the most sense to me for them to activate him, um, give him some stretch plays down the field. Um, By James Prochet. James Proche showed up on the field one time, and it was that stupid fucking late hit that he got. Like, I, just, I, it's done. We, Get him we off. We can go have a whole conversation about Proche, but I really don't understand the hype with him. Um, nope. I, I, coming out of college, I'm like, yeah, he has great hands, but it won't translate to the NFL because he can't get separation, and he's not really that big. But he's like a big target. I don't need separation, but I'm a big target. It just never made sense to me. Um, and his routes aren't as crisp as you would want out of a slot, but how, how do we give a, a six round pick this much time? We've, we have, we, we've had guys we drafted in like the fourth and fifth round who don't make it through camp. We trade them or cut them. And meanwhile, James Prochet has stuck around for three fucking years. And all we're getting from him is, is 15 yard penalties at the end of, uh, you know, beautiful Patrick Ricard, Patrick Ricard yards place. after the yeah. carry. Yep. I mean, yeah. again, you, you had a great play by Ricard there, proving why he deserves the snaps that he gets. And then you get that idiot James Proche coming across the middle and just fucking it up. Like, I just, I don't get it. Theo, Theo's I'm, about to, to quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. All right. Um, anyways, uh, but that, yeah, he, it, it makes, it, it's kind of, it worries me just sometimes philosophically about this franchise with that. Because you look on Twitter, you see Greedy Williams is on a trade block uh, for the Cleveland Browns. And he was a third round pick a couple of years ago, and and other teams move on, move off of draft picks so quick. They're like, you know, we're not going to waste all four years on this guy. We know we have, and this isn't it. Baltimore will wait, will use all four years of a guy on his rookie contract. It's like, well, why not? Is, move we, we moved off. We moved off Marquise. Like we we figured out Marquise wasn't it, and we moved off him. We figured out Miles Boykin wasn't it. We moved off of him. But with, for some with, reason, Chance Proche is the guy that sticks around. I just say it makes no sense to me. Hollywood, I don't, I don't think it was just the Ravens didn't think he was it because I do think the Ravens thought very highly of Hollywood. I just think they doubled down on Greg Roman. They, they realized we're not using many wide receiver sets like yesterday. They were, they were running one wide receiver out in the route and a tight end, and then everybody mm-hmm. else was pre- protecting at that point. It was like, okay, but at some point you're like – I couldn't even get really mad at Lamar um, on Sunday uh, because it's like there's really nobody running routes. They're dropping seven back. When you're only sending two people in a route, there's no way anybody's getting open. There's, that was there's what I no said. Too. I didn't. I said 
it, during the game, I said, Lamar's not playing bad. He's playing fine, which <laughs> is like, and fine is, is, is in the context of the game script that they were running is like, what do you want from him? Really? Like, I didn't see him make any really bad throws or like, it's just like he did, wasn't playing great. That's all. So, but yeah, like I, I was, I, I was not watching that game. Like, oh man, Lamar's doing it again. So, uh, but James Prochet, get, get rid what are we doing? Yeah, get rid of it. We've signed two wide receivers in the past three uh, weeks. And watch this. Tyler Wallace needs to go right behind him. <laughs> like, it's just like Tyler Wallace. Just, I'm yeah. giving more time because he he showed up later. He gets more time, right? If we're giving uh, Prochet all that time, I I have more hope for Wallace than I do for Prochet. But either way, I want Andy Isabella and fucking uh, Deshaun Jackson on the team uh, up on the active roster before we see uh, James Prochet run another route. How about this on defense? Brandon Stevens is not getting steps over Pepe Williams. And mind you, I'm, I'm very okay with Pepe Williams. The way he's been playing has actually been really good. Mm-hmm. But Brandon Stevens barely got any snaps yesterday at all. Another, I think he's banged up. Using, I think he's, he's banged, banged up. up and and his, his game, he's not a, a straight slot corner. That's what they were trying to use him as earlier in the year. And I think Stevens is more of your, you know, jack of all trades. So um, at Michigan – McDonald used to love that run that four two five, and he would always put a third safety in instead of a uh, nickel corner. And I, I feel like that is the role that is built for Brandon Stevens. If he's kind of this hybrid safety slot corner guy, and you just haven't seen many looks of him this year. If you're going straight slot corner, Pepe Williams is definitely the better choice out of the two. I agree. I would say our Darius Washington is better as well. But um, in this game on Thursday, I mean, I'm just looking at the the numbers here. It's, it's a game Baltimore should be able to run the football. Um, Tampa Bay has given up 118 yards per game uh, to rush. 4.4 yards per carry, too. That's a far cry from where they've been. I would assume Baltimore runs the ball pretty well here. This game screams to me as one of those Lamar Jackson bad games. And, and I'm not talking about bad games like against the Giants. I'm talking about like Cleveland last year. Pittsburgh the year before. This just screams that to me. And I know he plays well in prime time, but it, when you look at a defense that can that a fast sideline to sideline, which is the defense is Lamar really, really struggles against. Linebackers who can get around the field pretty quickly. Devin White and Levante David can do that. Well, Devin White I know can. Uh, he hasn't had that great of a year, but th- this just does not scream like a game, especially on a short week. Doesn't scream like a game that I expect Lamar to play fantastic or even bounce back. It's, it looks more to me like a Lamar Jackson bad game. And I hate saying that because I hope that doesn't happen, but it just looks to me like it. I'm not as concerned with the numbers. If we're moving the ball and putting up points, I, I honestly don't care where they come from. And so if Lamar's not turning the ball over, then I, I look at that as a, a good game for him. Um, in terms of helping the team win, I, I obviously want Lamar to play at an MVP level, but if he just doesn't turn the ball over, then I think that that gives us the best opportunity to win. And so, you know, we can maybe this isn't a Jackson 5 primetime performance, but uh, I'll take, uh, you know, another game like Sunday where we walk away with a, an easy win over, you know, wanting him to press and, you know, to turn, you know, throw four picks like he did against the Browns a couple of years ago. I want to make sure in the fourth quarter, we don't let the lead get less than a touchdown. This is this is what's killing us in the fourth quarter. Now, now I'm not even talking about the, the games where we've gone in with with double digit leads, but I'm talking about if we are in a game that's like you know, it's not a game that is a, a done deal. We're up, we're up ten. If our defense can hold the hold the Bucks to a field goal and keep it a, a keep it a touchdown game, 
I'm more comfortable with that. I just don't like it when we get into these games where we're winning by four points, six points, three points, because, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't trust this team to, to go win the game. I don't, I don't trust them to hold the lead. So I want them defending a touchdown or more the entire time. That's you what I want remember to a couple of years ago when the narrative around Lamar Jackson was he couldn't come back from behind. Yeah. I will say this team is not built to come back from behind. And it's not Lamar Jackson. This team is just not built to come back from behind. It doesn't have a, a good scheme to come back from behind. I, I think last year we were better at, we were better built to come from behind than this year. Um, we you, let you, things snowball. We right. On both sides of the ball, if you have a bad drive, we've always followed up with another bad drive. Another bad and drive. And that's how you know, these leads get shrunk. Yeah. We're not capable of, of like switching momentum. It once, mm-hmm. the, once, and it's like it's not even like, like I said in the Buffalo game, the play that killed us was in the second quarter. We ended up losing the game, obviously later on, but we let the the momentum shift gradually, and it just continues to shift and never comes back. And so this team is incapable of like getting into like a slugfest. They're not really. That's not how they play. So it's like they 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 need to they need to figure out how to get out ahead and keep it that way and not right. give it back and just not let that momentum shift happen at any point yesterday when um Calais Campbell stripped uh Jacoby Brissett Ravens got the ball in great field position I'm like this is where you take a shot to the end zone this is where you punch a team in the throat Greg mm-hmm. Roman runs an outside zone and loses two yards it's like dude you got the momentum call a play that just hypes up. If it's incomplete and you just went to the end zone, so be it. But running a play and losing two yards kills whatever momentum you got. And we ended up kicking a field goal on that drive. It's one of those, like, we need to call better plays in those situations as well. This is offense and defense. Um, I think Mike McDonald has gotten a lot better week to week at, at calling plays defensively. I, I thought he had a pretty good game plan. Um, early on, it, I don't think it was a bad game plan on that first drive. To me, it just looked like the Ravens just weren't aggressive at all. Like they got punched in the mouth on that first drive. Like bullied. They off were the shocked that Nick Chubb was the one touching the ball, and it's like, who else are the Browns going to give the ball to? Yeah, what were they expecting? Yeah, yeah it was almost like they came out expecting Jacoby Brissett to be trying to throw it to Amari Cooper every play, and it's like, no, they're going to give the ball to Nick Chubb. Like that's right. their guy. And I think he's he's had a better play calling than than uh, Greg Roman has the past few weeks. Hundred oh, percent. Um. It, Oh, again, we said it earlier, and you guys in the show. Um, this feels like Greg Roman's last week calling calling plays at least for mm-hmm. Baltimore. So I'm more excited to see how he calls this game. Does he throw some tricks out there? I mean, that Lamar Jackson toss from Mark Andrews. I mean, it was clever, very clever. Um, I'm not mad about it. Don't I ever mean, fucking do it again. Don't ever uh, fucking do it. Well, again. they never will because now, now that it's you've seen it, like they're going to be looking for that. But I mean, that was a that was a very smart creative play call in that situation. I bet Lamar was excited to run it. Cause I bet he thought I might be able to break this. I thought when he got through that first level, he was gone. Yeah. Somebody missed a block on that. I, I don't know who yeah. it was. Cause he, um, he was typically a... would not have, have, have gone off towards the sideline. He would have cut back towards the middle and kept going, but somebody missed a block, but it was a very, it, 
for the situation, every single person watching, and I'm sure the defense included, thought that was a, a decoy play just to see if they get him to jump off sides and 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 call a timeout or take a penalty and, and punt the I ball. I thought it was a Q, I thought it was a QB sneak with Mark Andrews coming. To be totally honest, I don't honest. think they'll ever run that again either. I, you know, they did no, that. No, but see, what year, worries but... me about Greg Roman is that like it works one time, and now I'm scared that he's going to do it every single time when the yeah. situation doesn't call for I, it. Yeah, remember uh, in 2020. The uh, the Heisman package, remember that? Yeah, yep. And I think we 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 ran that package a few times with success. Pretty yeah. sure. And then and then we ran it into the ground because teams figured out what was going on. Right. Yeah. It's one and of it's those just, like and that's the it, same thing with Mark Andrews under 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 center. You're only gonna. See, I don't think you'll you'll see that again. But you know the two times we ran it, it worked. I'm, they I'm ran it two sure. different ways. Almost positive they probably have a pass off of that as well somewhere uh, with Mark Andrews on the center or something. Um, so I, I think you'll see that look again. I, I wouldn't say it's the same play call. I, I would have to assume Mark Andrews is going to throw out of that one time this year maybe. Well, it's kind of uh, like the the Derrick Henry jump throw. Uh, yeah. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, I, would, I would imagine I see that. Um, and But again – to say that that is the most creative thing. So after the Ravens game yesterday, I watched the 49ers and the Chiefs game. You're just seeing like open receivers, every like scheming open. Obviously, John Harbaugh doesn't believe in scheming receivers open. So I, I really don't expect that in Baltimore. But you're just seeing Juju Smith-Schuster wide open. Uh, McCole Hardman wide open. Obviously, Travis Kelsey. They know the ball is going to Travis Kelsey. He's Marquez, Valdez Scantling had a 115 yards. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're watching other teams. You're like, why does it? This offense looks very easy to move the football. Why doesn't Baltimore look this easy moving the football when you, when you're watching them play? And so I tweet out like, bro, I wish we could like run an offense like the Chiefs, and I really do mean that. Um, I don't know how you get to there because we don't even have the personnel the Chiefs have. Um, but I, I think the start would be uh, letting Greg Roman go. See what you got in T. Martin uh, the rest of the season. Uh, I'm not saying he'll be the answer going forward, but at, at least see what you have. It can't hurt. It can't be any worse. If they do not let go of Greg Roman after Thursday, all that tells me is that nobody's seat is hot or warm in Baltimore. Because that, mm-hmm. that, that tells me John Harbaugh is comfortable. His seat is not hot. Um, and mind you, Drew, you were at the game. How packed was the stadium yesterday? Oh, it was pretty packed. It was, it was a pretty full house. It did not and, look that way on TV. Yeah, I mean, so it was uh, weird weather. I would say that it kind of uh, came and went. It was a lot of people underneath. Um, so I have club-level seats. I would say that the bars were packed, which is odd to me. But, you know, it was – I would say it was 80% full. It just – you know, again, that never really translates to TV well. But it, it got loud when it needed to. Um, it's just, again, I, I don't think people are excited about this team. And I think you've got to give them a reason to be excited. Well, is, like, you know, Yeah, we've seen the team – like we said earlier, that this they're four and three despite leading every single game by ten points yeah. or more. Who is going to go spend that sort of money to go watch this team play live and then go home sad? You know, like I, I, I certainly would not. It's one thing; it's bad enough to to be at home and and watch that shit happen, but to then to to have to walk to your car in the rain, sit in traffic, fuck that, man. I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that either, and <laughs> I won't do it. Uh, you do that but, enough, you'll wind up being a Sacramento Kings fan because all those fans that include Stockholm Syndrome with that key, with that team. We have Stockholm Syndrome. We're, we're, we're stuck in an abusive relationship and there's no getting out. That is what it is. I right, should, should not relate. Should we put some, some predictions on the, on, on the record or we do, do we not even want to bother? 
I'm good. I mean, I'm in for some predictions. I've been horribly wrong all year, but maybe you know it only takes one. Give me 19 to 16, Baltimore. Okay. Seems I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take 21-7, Baltimore. There you go. Bucks offense does not scare me. Yeah, they're ta- they're talented, but they haven't played the same. What do you got? Yeah, the they're not putting up points. Ah man, give, see, give me 14-11, Baltimore. Whoa, that's a, that's see, a wild being, score. I see it being kind of ugly. So yeah, I, I don't. I'm gonna Both go. These offense is a stagnant right now. I'm Plus gonna go 24-14, Ravens. There's a nice tough to really see good high quality games. Teams coming off a of three days rest, having just played. Plus, we both just played divisional games, and they were both physical. So, I mean, both teams are going to be beat up. The Bucks aren't going to have um, Antoine Winfield Jr. He's got the concussions. They'll be stuck in the concussion protocol. So, they're going to be down the secondary, and yeah. he's probably their he's probably their best DB to be realistic. Even better than Carlton Davis, I'd say. But, yeah, Carlton Davis yeah. didn't play this week, did he? I, I don't. don't think so. So, so we'll see so, if he, he's even ready. I'm, I yeah. am picking blind here because I don't know what the uniform is this week. So I would have a little bit more information, yeah. but I, they, they haven't announced it yet. They go white pants, we right. So I am going to – right. I'm going to make it a prediction here. We're going to see white jerseys, purple pants. Purple pants. I, I think we haven't, seen it this, we haven't seen it yet this year. Yeah, it should be their standard road look to begin with, but I think we're going to see white jerseys, purple pants, and if that is the case, that is a good combination for us. Yeah. If I see white pants. If I see white pants, I'm fucking throwing. I'm riding. I mean, I'm if it's white pants, I take back my prediction. This is, this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, let, let's put that disclaimer on the record. Yeah. All these predictions mean if if it's if they go all white again, uh, no. It's a loss. Just yeah. just period. What, you don't what look does, good. Go good at that. I, I know I'm not the host here, but what does a loss mean, Baltimore? Here, they're alternating wins yeah. and losses. You go to it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But that being said. A loss to an NFC opponent to me isn't all that cri- isn't as critical as say you lose in division or say you lose to an in-conference foe because your record will still be right, especially with tiebreakers and given the state of affairs in the NFL. Because I mean, let's be honest, I don't think there's a good team in the NFL. Bill, I just want to know there's no great team in the NFL. You the Bill can't be losing games though. It, you know, good. like Will said, you don't want to be what chasing. Yeah. What have I been saying all year? We, I don't want to chase 500, 500 all year. I don't want to yeah. be fighting 500 all year. And this is our opportunity right now to get two games out ahead of 500 to 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 have a little bit of a buffer. And then if we win this game, it puts a lot of pressure on Cincinnati going into the weekend. They they're not on by this week, right? They have a, they no, have they, a have a, they play Cleveland at Cleveland. Okay. So and game. and and as we know, these division games, no matter what, the division games tend to be sort of dog fights so you know and and cincinnati's been very uneven this year so i I mean i don't trust them to just come out and beat the shit out of cleveland they very well could but it could be really close cleveland also has won a couple games that that have surprised people so you know who knows what's gonna happen there but if we win on thursday it's gonna put a ton of pressure on cincinnati because if they they know they're already chasing us if they lose this weekend knowing we already won they they know that that, that is a, a big hurdle for them to, to to get over because they don't get to see us again until the last game of the year. So that's a lot of time before they get to 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 get a game that matters that much. Um, so you know every every game matters right now for them because they are chasing. But it's especially uh, there's a there's extra pressure when they already know that we've won. So um, 
a win for us is huge. And to get away from that 500 mark, that's, that's really what we should be aiming for because it's just putting distance between Cleveland. We also need to, to remember they're going to get Deshaun Watson back. We don't know what they're going to look like when he, when he gets back, but it's a different team with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So we want to make sure that Cleveland's dead and buried before he ever touches a football. Furthermore, if you go back to back last year, the Browns gave the Bengals a lot of problems when they played each other last year. And Denzel Ward put the clamps on Jamar Chase. And there's a reason why those three were so salty when they were talking about him on the Pivot podcast or whatever. Right. But to well, that and, point, and yeah, Garrett and Clowney are go- are are gonna scare the shit out of Joe Burrow because he's already been been under pressure all year long. And you get those two. Clowney looked like a freaking monster on Sunday against us. He was. He, he did. He he was just manhandling guys. He doesn't. He didn't get. A, he, he wasn't. Funny. He wasn't getting full workload. But the two of them on the field together is scary. So you know, Cleveland very well could go out and beat Cincinnati. Who knows? I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying yeah. if we win, it puts a ton of pressure on Cincinnati. Baltimore needs to win Thursday. They, they, yes. You can't let the games that you should win escape you, uh, especially at this point. Because I mean, you've already lost games that you should have won. You should have beat the Dolphins. We all know that. Yep. On that game, should have uh, you should have won. You should have beat the Giants. Should have beat the Bills. Bills. Should have beat the Bills. Um, yep. So if you lose to, but Tampa Bay is fighting for their their lives here as well. Yeah, the NFC South is not as good as it has been bad. before. Both um, South divisions. Have been somehow bad. they're still in first place. <laughs> they're they're, in, they're in first place, and uh, I mean, you still have to fight for position at NFC. Unfortunately, nobody wants to go to Minnesota's a loud stadium. I've been in that new stadium. That thing gets loud, like extremely loud. You don't want to go play in Minnesota. I don't know if you want to go play in Philly. Uh, And I've been in Philly as well. I I hate going to Philly to a game in Philly. No, I don't want to play in Philly. Place is crazy. Nobody wants to go to Philly. You still want to fight for position. So uh, me thinking that Tampa Bay is just not a good team and going to lay that, that that's just not going to happen. And I hope no Ravens fan thinks that, that the Ravens are just the better team. Because with this team, you just can't think that this year. Because they're, they're, they'll go up. The fact that we're up 10 in the fourth quarter and everybody's nervous is a lot about our football team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Furthermore, to your point about, yeah. about, this, about this game and the rest of the schedule, they don't play a team with a winning record until they play the Bengals the last game of the year. Every other team is less than 500 remaining on the schedule. So, yes, this is absolutely a – you're right. This is absolutely a must-win. And none are cakewalks. So, you, I mean, you got the Saints. That, that's not a cakewalk. The, the Saints are giving fits to teams. They are. Um, the, the Panthers, they, they look like a rejuvenated team under Steve Wilkes. Um, the Jaguars, you can't count them out. Um, they, they lost on the last second um, yesterday. Even, so, even the Falcons have been scrappy. So I mean, none of these games. Marcus Mariota sure. is is kind of a, a nightmare matchup for our defense. Absolutely, yeah, I can agree that too. You can't tackle, and he's a guy that will make that hurt if we don't yeah, bring remember, him. Up. Okay, so Taste, remember last year when we played, well. when, yeah, and when we played the Raiders last year, they brought in Marcus Mariota for like one play, and he ripped off an eighty-yard touchdown run on us. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a touchdown, but it was did the we, first series. Have, yeah, it, the first it was, series. It was fourth down or third and one or something like that, and it was. He basically ran like a Lamar Jackson like RPO look almost, yep. and took it straight up the middle. And I think, I mean, in my brain, he scored, but he must have gotten down to like the two yard line or something like that. Right? Yeah, they, they forced him out, but still. I was in the stadium for that play, and I had a cheesesteak in my hand, and I dropped it. I was like, "There's no way we're letting Mario because I thought he was gone. I thought he scored as well. And I was like, "There's no way Mario would have just scored on us." But those guys give us give fits to the Ravens, so. 
have to win uh, Thursday night. I mean, I think it's a must-win game for Baltimore because just like we're saying that the Ravens' schedule is easy going forward, so is the Bengals. The Bengals have a pretty easy schedule going forward as well. It's a little bit more difficult than the Ravens, but, um, I mean, they, they still have the, the Saints to play. The Panthers. I don't want to be in a situation Buffalo, right? where I don't want to be in a situation where week 15, 16, and 17 are must-win games. Win games yep. Because, you know, we're, we're jockeying for playoff or, you know, for the division. <laughs> Like, we, we got to take care of business now when we have this weak division. Again, you want the Browns to be out of the picture by the time uh, Watson comes back. You know, I don't think the Steelers are that good. And so it's really the Bengals. you got to stay two games up on the Bengals at least. Yep. Because you don't want that week, seven, or week 18 game to, you know, be a factor in, in playoff seating or just making the playoffs in general. Don't, don't leave it up to chance, you know. Take care of business while you can. And we are in the driver's seat at this point, so let's you know put the foot on the gas and and put some distance between us. Which is scary because we've been in the driver's seat all year in every game. Yeah, no, we have, and you know at some point you gotta you know Marlon's uh, insanity tweet like you know let's not do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Let's let's force different results. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> so you know, on that note too, we do have one big thing coming up in the next week: trade deadlines a week from tomorrow. Yes, that it is. Do do we make a do we make a move? I think you have to, um, because look this looking at the way this team is built, I, I think pass rush is fine, especially seeing yesterday. Yeah. See, because you're gonna have a rotation in pass rush now. We might have with, Bowser back on Thursday too. We didn't mention right. him, um, and, and I think you'll have Ojabo back for the Saints game. Yeah. Um, well, because he has 21 days, I think they were activated on the 21st, so I think he has to kind of be back by that that date, or at least on the 53. Um. Uh, you're going to have a nice little rotation at Pat Rush, Pass Rusher. So I don't see a trade happening there. Two places I can see a, a trade happening are wide receiver um, and possibly, um, if need be, inside linebacker. Those, those are the two positions that I'm like, all right, if I'm looking at a trade, it has to happen in one of those two positions. And if I'm a betting man, it's going to be on wide receiver, especially if they move off of Greg Roman and they uh, promote T. Martin and it becomes more of a pass-centric offense, I would think wide receiver. What about a, what so about I- a cornerback? What? I can see a corner about, too. I know you thought I said quarterback. No, cornerback. <laughs> I said quarter what? CB. Um, yeah. I, I can see that. I mean, but it depends on who's available. Stephon Gilmore. I, I think he's available. Um, right. I, I would. I would assume he's available. I, I would. We like, have. I would we like have that. three. Wait, we, we have three corners on the field a lot of the time. So it's like if time. we trade it for him, it's not like he's going to come in here to be in some reserve role. So and it's an area we've struggled after Marlon and and even Marcus on. On Sunday, Marcus got kind of abused on Sunday. He didn't look I, very good. I was going to say that. Does he look? He looks unhealthy to me. He doesn't look fully healthy to me. Well, he's always on the injury report. He's got—is it a hamstring or a quad, quad or whatever it is? Like so, yeah. So he's not—he's not fully healthy, but he's playing through it, which is uh, fine with me. But I—I I would be happy with us getting because we—we've seen what happens when the cornerback depth disappears, and it's not pretty. So to—to to stack as many, you know. Better than average uh, cornerbacks for the, for the this run because we're gonna be playing bad teams who are gonna have bad quarterbacks. So I would like our 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 secondary to to be a strength for us. So yeah, if Stefan Gilmore is available and he got traded for like a six round pick last year. So I mean I don't know what they're expecting to get for him. It's probably gonna they're gonna want more than the six round pick, but I, it's trading like a fourth or a fifth round pick Tyler for Stephon Gilmore or Tyler or Jeff Parker. <laughs> Tyler Huntley is always on the block for him. Yeah, right. And they're, so, they're yeah, Matt Ryan. And, uh, is Tyler Huntley better than Sam Ellinger? Maybe I don't know. 
I mean, I'll be happy to yeah. tell any Colts front office, Jim Mercy, you know, you just tell him that uh, Tyler Huntley is his future and roll with that. You know yeah. who I would like to see us trade for in terms of wide receivers? You guys are not, aren't going to love it. Marquez Callaway. I think he'd be a oh, good. Oh, dude, that was one of my three. Marquez Callaway, Curtis Samuel, um, and then DJ Moore is like a far off guy. Yeah, I don't think that right, will ever right. happen. But Marquise Callaway and Curtis Samuel are my two top guys. I'm like, I like them. I like both of them. Yeah, those are those are two guys who've been on my list too. So I think they would be complementary to what we have. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I would. I, I think we do need to make a move for a wide receiver who isn't just like a back of the roster wide receiver guy. We need someone who's going to play snaps, who's going to contribute. So, I mean, this again, boils down to do, do you trust Eric DeCosta with the wide receiver position? I do not. Um, he has a great chance to shut somebody like me up who has, you know, a pretty outspoken about how dumb he's been with the wide receiver position. This is, this is his moment. You know, this is his moment to say, Shut the fuck up! I know what I'm doing, and go get somebody who's going to make a difference. And we we have to. I, I kind of look at this as like you know a baseball trade deadline. Uh, you know, this is ownership saying that we think you're a team that's going to compete this year. And so you look at the Ravens' holes, and it's wide receiver is a glaring hole. Pass rush is a hole, but like you said, you know we're getting healthy, so you got you got pieces coming back there. Um, corner is always a need. And so, you know, the splash move that you make that tells that tells the team that you are invested in them winning and you believe in them is you go get a big name wide receiver. And to me, that's got, I don't know if DJ Moore moves, but that's that's the kind of move that you make that, you know, sort of solidifies this team as we, we have faith in Lamar Jackson and we think that we're, we have something here and we're going to win is you go get a DJ Moore caliber wide receiver. I doubt that he's getting moved, especially after this week uh, yeah after all I the talk he, he either, finally but... broke out he had he had a good game so i don't know it's a couple guys that, i know you it's a couple guys that you're looking at and you're like some some of these teams are, are failing and they look like they're already going to pack it in they trade a guy michael Pittman is a name that that interests me a lot that's a big body guy who can go he's really if he's yeah. really available oh yeah i would i would trade whatever what, what do you want for him yeah i'll, yeah. I'll do that i like a Mike, michael Pittman. um I don't think the Cardinals move off of DeAndre Hopkins. That just does not make sense to me that they would do it, Um, especially with the game he had coming back. Dude was a beast coming back. Um, Their pass offense is functional when he's in the lineup. He's in the lineup. Without him, him, Kyler Murray sucks. Kyler Murray sucks with him too, but he sucks less with him. But it's substantially worse without him. Would the Bears be willing to move Darnell Mooney? It's, it's small possibility. I doubt that it. I doubt, that it yeah. move, I doubt that moves the needle for Drew because it, it wouldn't really move, move the needle for me. Um, I do think they should get Lamar Jackson at alpha number one. I, I, I do believe that. I've been saying that from day one um, that he sh- they should get him because you see other quarterbacks. Once when they get that alpha number one, things look different for them. Same with Josh Allen, um, even Michael Thomas. Michael is my. Mike, hurt uh, you guys i i have been big on the michael thomas bandwagon for years um that's that's the sure-handed outside guy that i think makes a difference here and him not playing and being hurt the last two years i mean again we're talking about trading for michael thomas after 2019 and it's probably two first round picks to go get him i would say now he's a you know bargain barrel wide receiver that you could probably get for a fourth round pick and eating his salary so that's that's got to be another move that you look at of, and that that's a move that the Ravens would make. Of, you know, bargain bin. That's more their speed. I, I could see. I, I would like Courtland Sutton more than, yeah. more than yeah. Michael Thomas. And Denver's uh, open market right now. 
Denver. And, and Den- Denver there's a couple of teams that they need to be on the one. Denver traded away a lot of picks for Russell Wilson. I think they mm-hmm. need to recuperate some of those picks. How do you do that? You trade some Unlimited guys. Limited diarrhea. Uh, yeah, you you, you got to come off of some of those guys. Um, same with the Colts, um, getting Matt Ryan. They traded a couple picks away. That's why I think Michael Pittman could be available, but you're going to draft a quarterback. You might want to keep your um, number one wide receiver. So, uh, I mean, I do think the Ravens make a move at the deadline. I think they have to. I think you kind of got to show not only this fan base that is pretty angry right now that you believe that this team can win, um, but I think you need to show this team, giving them a boost of energy, a shot in the arm, and show that, you know, you believe that they can make a run. Um, Chase Claypool doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Only because he's in division. Yeah, that and I really am not high on him anyway. Um, The guy from from the the Cowboys, um, what is that? Um, No, I don't think he's moving. He just signed a contract extension. That wouldn't make sense for them. Uh, Noah Brown, um, he's been making plays for them. Uh, I I don't know if you guys watch Cowboys games, but I've been watching them. Noah Brown's been making a lot of plays for the Cowboys. Uh, But I'm with Will. Marquise Calloway. I watching him uh, last Thursday night. I was like, dude, that dude kind of plays like like I would want to play. He reminded me so much of Derek Mason a little bit, just a bigger, yeah. bigger stockier. Yep. Like th- this guy but plays he, aggressive. He's, he's fast. He high points he's the big. ball. Yeah. He. I mean, he plays. He play. He plays big. And and, and like we hear that with with uh, what's his name with Tylen Wallace, but like but Calway is big too. So like, but I mean, like he's a big body receiver who who plays fast and plays big. So it's just like we never have had that, and that's why I, I was getting annoyed this week when people are like getting all torqued up about fucking um, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore and Elijah Moore, I'm sure, is a good wide receiver. Okay, I'm sure. We don't need another five foot ten receiver. We just don't need that 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 profile in yeah. our lineup. We need a, a bigger guy. We that we uh, like. Come on, how many how many five foot ten guys are we going to bring in? We just got rid of one, right? And and so then and then we've signed uh, Andy Isabella, Deshaun Jackson, and then we're gonna bring in Elijah Moore. So the the average height there is like five foot ten point two inches or something. Like I mean, get out of my face. And and they all weigh 180 pounds. Like those guys are not winning a fight with a with a cornerback or a safety for a a 50-50 ball. They're just not going to win that fight. We need a guy who goes up and gets the ball. We can't. And as we've seen, if Mark Andrews is taken out of the game, who's going to do it? Because apparently we're not going to scheme Isaiah Likely open. So we need wide receivers who can go get the ball, and we don't have them right now. There is also a six-foot gentleman who is a uh, free agent that we should have signed, you know, weeks ago. But I'm I'm willing to wait for Odell Beckham. Uh, that's another yep. move that just makes too much sense to me. That I don't know, because then you can go get a uh, Marcus Callaway, or you can go get a you know a lesser-known wide receiver and bring in Odell. And between those two guys, you're going to get that kind of outside threat, like a bigger body guy. And then Odell coming back is going to be a total game changer. That's a wide receiver one. That's an alpha. That's a guy that has proven time and time again that you put the ball in his hands and he's going to make plays. That's where we go from having one wide receiver on the field to we can spread out, have four wide receivers on the field if we want to. And that's the kind of thing where defenses who are expecting to stack the box because they have to account for Lamar Jackson. Suddenly they have to spread out. They have to have all these defensive backs on the field. And then Lamar Jackson has the freedom to do whatever the hell he wants. So in that regard, an empty formation interests me because oh, currently yeah. when we go empty, I'm, it doesn't scare anyone because no. you can go me. empty 
And you put, yeah, excuse me, you put Bateman, um, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Odell Beckham, Duvernay, and then Marquise Andrews as well, uh, Mark Andrews as well. That's scary. And Lamar Jackson is the one driving the, the, the bus here. Oh, yeah. Scares any defense in the NFL, and you can't tell me otherwise. So Right. There's um, no defense that has the personnel to match up with that. And it's, and weird, just... to, it's weird to me because it's like, to us as fans, we see it, and we're like, that's just the easy move to make. And then the front office is just like, no, we want to play in a phone booth. It just does not make sense to me no. <laughs> whatsoever. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they 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 want to play one style. What? But what if you just like added two guys and you could play any style you want? A cheat code at quarterback, dude. Like, yeah. spread the field and make the like. If you stop the defense from loading the box, I promise you'll run for a hundred yards every game easily. It w- it won't be a difficult hundred yards. It'll be an easy hundred yards. You can start doing creative things on the jet sweeps and, and moving motion and Duvernay to the backfield with Lamar and allow yep. him to do something. I mean, it, it just makes all the sense in the world. But, you know, what do we know? Right. We know a lot. It just seems that the uh, front office does not want to listen. So. They're just stubborn. It, it, it seems yeah. like the Baltimore Ravens are just a franchise that says we know better than everybody else and we're going to buck trends. Well, and they, kinda... do 90, they do 90% of the time. 90% of the things that Tacosa does or anybody in the front office does work and make sense this whole 80 20 principle that they use to fill out depth works you know and you can look at some of the the you know defensive guys they've picked up off the streets who have just done great things josh Bynes is a great example i mean that guy hadn't played football in you know 18 months you pick him up and he's our starting inside linebacker like we make a lot of moves like that it's when it comes to these primary positions wide receiver being chief among them that we just don't know what we're doing and i i don't know why like you, you can look at since 1996, there's really been nobody here that's been a good wide receiver. And, and, and keep... it's guys that we look at and we're like, you, you can see even in a draft, you're like, that's a guy. And the Ravens yeah. will go and say, no, Brashad Perryman. And it's like, no, like the guy deals with drops and, and you expect to change that in the end. Of, it, it, that, that's an ex- instance where it's like, yeah, this team thinks they know better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Any, any other time, you're like, that's a guy right there. Make, make a move to go up a pick. Just to grab him, Chris Olave yeah. was my guy. I was, I was, give me Chris Olave. I was banging on the table. Uh, he goes what three picks before the Ravens? I'm like, move up a little bit. You got to move up a little. It's receivers. They always go on a run here. Move up a little bit, and we stand pat. I'm not mad at the Kyle Hamilton. Olave could have changed this offense. I mean, I'm mad at you know 20 plus years of just ineptitude at the wide receiver position is really what it boils down to. Yeah, actually. But anywho. <clears throat> That's going to do it for this week's installment. We will be back next week to recap what goes down Thursday night and preview the game in Nolens. In the meantime, I'll make a couple noises. Play <laughs> <laughs> Zone, zone 32. 32.